This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, whether that's Rovers throwing in a drab nil-nil in the Championship or taking Newcastle all the way to a penalty shootout in the fifth round of the FA Cup, You'll always be winning with McDelivery. So, the only thing left to say is, are you in? Order now on the McDonald's app and you can also get rewards points delivered too. So, the ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants 18+. plus. Rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. You are listening to the 4,000 Holes Podcast, brought to you by the people at brfcs.com and sponsored by the lovely people at The Terrace. Hello and welcome to another edition of the What Now Podcast, part of the 4,000 Holes stable of podcasts here in association with The Terrace. I'm your host, Roger White. I'm joined this week by my guest, Matt Grimshaw, James Marsh and Ian Herbert. Good to see you, Matt. Yep. Hello. Hi. Yep. Thanks for having me again. Ian, good to see you as well. And you too, sir. And we've got a new panellist tonight as well. So I'm, I'm sorry, I'm rather stealing his thunder there, aren't I? But yeah. We have indeed. Welcome, James. Thank you. Happy to be here. Uh, just a quick note on uh, some correspondence. Big thank you to everybody who shared and liked the previous What Now uh, podcast, which went out a couple of weeks back. You can get that on Catch Up if you haven't listened to that one. Uh, huge thanks from me and from all the panel here for your support. And uh, hopefully we can do you proud once again. Just to let you know, this is going to be a 30, 35 minute podcast, as I always say, ideal for your walks or commute to work. Split into three topics of 10 minutes. Topic number one, we're going to have a quick review of the recent matches, the three W's, Wigan, Watford and last night's match against West Bromwich Albion. In topic two, we'll be having a quick look at our stock up, stock down, which is which players have been overachieving perhaps or overperforming in the last two weeks where some players have not been doing as well. So we're going to talk about that uh, in association with our brfcs.com forum match center, which I will tease you about and talk about later on. And then in section three, we're going to took a, uh, take a look at any other business looking ahead to the big stretch of home matches coming up, five of the next seven games for Rovers at Ewood Park, and also a quick look ahead to our trip to the King Power Stadium for uh, the fifth round of the FA Cup 
away at Leicester. So let's get started. Matt, what do you make of the recent Rovers run of draws? Start with Wigan, Watford and uh, finish with West Brom. Yeah, well, I think if you looked at our, our form and um, sort of the results coming into this sort of uh, mid-season period, the the lack of draws, you know, you knew there was going to be a few consistent draws after each other. You could just tell it was going to happen, I think. And I'm not sure. I, I don't know. I think the Wigan draw was very disappointing. Uh, I think the game in itself was very dull. There wasn't many moments apart from the kerfuffle that we've been fined for. I think that was the only slightly uh, get-out-your-seat moment in that one. But in terms of the Watford and the West Brom games, I'm going to sort of speak to uh, speak about them together. It's points against the teams around us and it's goals against the teams around us as well. And I think if, if you want to sort of compare it to when we're in similar positions uh, in the last few seasons, we do tend to struggle with the teams around us and getting points against scoring goals against both of the you know, two of the toughest teams that are in and around the playoffs or the playoff pushing pack, shall we say. I don't think they're bad results. Uh, the Watford game, you know, disappointing to to lose the lead, should I say. Uh, but the West Brom game, I mean, the complete opposite because we were completely out of it for parts of it and salvaged a draw at the end, which uh, we don't do very often. So it was a nice, refreshing result, that one. You know, it's interesting that at the start of the season, of course, we were uh, either winning or losing, and yet a victory over Wigan followed by two defeats would have given us three points. Uh, whilst we've drawn all three games, and whilst it's nice to to think, oh, we're unbeaten, yeah, it's still only three points. Ian, come to you next. I was thinking last night as a little catchy sort of strap line to talk about on tonight's podcast, and I was saying, is drawing hard to beat, but is it also hard to watch? <laughs> Well, it's, it's it's fascinating, isn't it? As we said, we, we've had a binary season, and now we're just in love with the draw. We just can't get enough of it. You know, and including the ninety-minute scoreline in the cup, six on the bounce is quite extraordinary. I did tweet from BRFCS last night. You know, yeah, we've got to get rid of these draws. We've got to get back to winning and losing because winning and losing can can generate three three points in two game a two game sequence as opposed to two draws. It is absolutely extraordinary. I suppose there's two ways of viewing it, isn't there? It's, it's nice to have an unbeaten run, I suppose, but an unbeaten run of draws doesn't doesn't have you coming, coming climbing the table. I've always feared our regression to the mean. I think we, we've talked about this. I think specta- spectators watching the games will have seen us not create a great deal of chances. And if you don't create a great deal of chances, then you're not going to score many goals. If you can keep it tight at the back, therefore, that's that's your only bet. And we're seeing now Rovers sort of like desperately hanging on or desperately trying to get back in and, and the score lines have, have just not been particularly exciting. I'm more concerned about the level of our performances than the results, if I'm being perfectly honest. I think if I was getting out of my seat with excitement, I wouldn't be that worried about the results. I've never thought that we were going to get in the playoffs this season. And frankly, at the beginning of the season, I would have shaken hands on a top-half finish, given all the turmoil of the summer. Uh, I think it's just the classic Rovers, isn't it? We, We tease the fans by getting up into the playoff places. And then with a great opportunity, we're just letting it slip through our fingers, but just in a different way than we did under Tony Mowbray. So full marks of creativity, Rovers. Well done. But uh, yeah, enough of the draws now. Let's get back to the Ws, please. 
that's the uh, I was saying to my girlfriend we were watching this course come in on Tuesday night and I said you know what's going to happen Rovers are going to finish outside the playoffs and Tony Mowbray is going to lead Sunderland to the playoffs in the first season that you know, we blame Mowbray Absolutely. every year for this February March collapse uh, just come to you James it's one thing again just trying to play devil's advocate here is is the host of the podcast and thinking if Pickering gets that penalty against Wigan uh, Watford, all right, you ride, you look a little bit, but it was a bit of a soft free kick for their goal, albeit they probably deserved a point, definitely. And and even last night, does, does the referee stop play for Travis for the goal in the build-up? Are, are these sort of little moments that have gone against us and cost us six, seven points? What's your thoughts? Um, I am inclined to agree with Ian, um, although what I will say about the draws is that a couple of months ago, we probably would have lost them and probably would have lost them quite convincingly. I would have argued that the ref probably should have stopped play for Travis. If that happens, it, West Brom on a fan and if that goal get, goes against you, which did because it led to the goal, then you're obviously going to be really annoyed at it. The Pickering penalty incident, I'm I'm 50-50 on that one. If I remember rightly, I believe Wigan's player was already on the floor and Pickering just tripped over him. I would argue it's a penalty, but a lot of people would argue it's not. But going back to the draws, a couple of months ago, we would have lost them. So I'm quite pleased that we're turning possible losses into draws and I think I would have snapped your hand off for two draws against Watford and West Brom I think that's where I stand as well James to be honest I said uh, yeah the same thing in, in isolation two draws against Watford and West Brom aren't bad results but I think what well, like what Ian was sort of saying is that other teams are starting to pick up points as well you know we look at Luton I mean Middlesbrough flying I mean can Middlesbrough catch Sheffield United that's the big question in and around the championship at the moment but James do you think do you think this is progress? I mean, you, you've sort of alluded to it there in your talk. Do you think JDT's getting more out of the team now than he was in, in October, November? A little bit. Well, half to the majority of the squad can't fit into the way that he wants them to. And when yeah. I'm going back to the Portis transfer that we wanted in January, I watched him against Burnley and I could understand why he wanted him. It was a very aggressive ball-playing centre-back. But I think the revolution of Carter in the past few games kind of just replaces Portis in a sense. Yeah. I think we are slightly improving, but lack of chances is worrying. The expect I know we go on about expected goals. We are bottom when it comes to that. So that's concerning. We have shown glimpses of improving. And I think given a summer window where we can fully rehaul the squad, Hopefully, next season will be a much improved side and a style of play that we all will like to see. The, the thing about the summer window is whether we can register players in time, though, isn't it? That, that's <laughs> that's the asset. <laughs> yeah, let's not set our sights too high about bringing good players in. Let's just register them on time. Pro- progress. Is JDT getting the best out of this team? Is, is he sort of trying to prove a point? Do you feel as though he's, he's, he's ostracised a few players? The fans, perhaps, last night, I heard some things online. I wasn't at the game, but I heard a, a few boos when Dak got taken off and... And a few people questioning him with the, you don't know what you do in chance. Is is JDT kind of trying to flex his, his, I'm I'm the boss here. I'm the man. It's going to be me that's going to take this project forward. Do you think he's sort of having a little bit of a, I don't know, a bit of a, a fight back at the club after what happened in January? Do you- well, I think, I think there's a few interesting dynamics at play. Let, let's do the one up the way, first of all, the, the relationship with him and Greg Broughton. Uh, clearly, in the interviews after our deadline day fiascos, let's put it like that, 
he was clearly irked, shadow of a doubt whatsoever, uh, about the fact that he was annoyed that, that, we, that we let that slip. So I think he was making a point that this structure is, is meant to be supportive and it hasn't delivered the raw materials. So, you know, if you work in a factory and the raw materials don't come in the factory door, don't be surprised if the product that comes out at the end ain't what you thought it was going to be. That was the sense yeah. I got from him. Down the way, I think you've always got to support the manager because that's the job of managing the team and managing those personalities. And all we see is what happens on the pitch. What we do not see is what goes on on the training ground what we don't see is the behind closed doors and all the interactions that the management and coaching staff will have with players that, that we never get to see and, and you know you get peeps of it when you watch all or nothings and things like that you see some of the dynamics mm. at play and you can only imagine what what you know, a lot of what must have been edited out of those shows so relate that to, to rover's situation you've always got to back your manager and then if your manager don't deliver, you change your manager. So I think earlier in the season, he sort of like marked the cards of a few players. And looking back on it now with the power of hindsight, I, I do think that he was sort of saying, you're not going to do it for me, you need to improve. And yeah. one or two of them sort of knuckled down and got on with it. And I think Dak uh, certainly showed a resilience that I wasn't sure was there. I must admit, I, di I didn't think he'd necessarily be still in the club on the 1st of February. Um, he's had two serious injuries, though, and again, he's got Thomason has got the, the input from the medical staff, who doubtless was sort of saying to him, "Don't overexert him, don't overwork him, and all the rest of it." The frustration last night, though, was that we weren't creating much, and anything that we did create invariably came through Dak. So the minute he went off, you just sort of had this horrible foreboding of what was about to unfold, and sure mm. enough, it did. Uh, and yeah, and getting the equaliser was terrific, obviously. But there was no sense that anything was coming from open play. And that, that is the real worry. James has already talked about the XG. Uh, you, you, can't, you can't be bottom of the XG table continuously and rely on pinging one in from 25 yards. Or if you're only creating one or two chances a game, putting both of them away. Sooner or later, it's going to catch up with you. And that's where we are. So for me, jury's out on JDT. Because if this is the style of play that he wants, I'm not a fan. If he's saying no. this is the style of play we have to put up with until Greg gets me the players, then I'll, I'll cut him some slack and I'll give him some sympathy. So I think it will be interesting to see what happens in the summer, obviously. But my expectations are structured by what's happened in the last two windows. So I'm not going to get too excited. No, no, it's a, a very interesting take. Matt, just briefly before we move on to the second topic, JDT, still the man, still confident he's the, the man to lead the project forward? Yeah, I think whenever whenever anything goes wrong, I sort of just try and remember, you know, his first few interviews at the club. It's, it, he himself said it would be a long process and, you know, that process may not even involve him being there for the entirety of it. You know, he might end up leaving, but then the process at the club stays the same and someone similar comes in with a similar philosophy. Whenever anyone mentions or goes near, you know, saying that they want him out, I think it's just a... It's a retaliation and a reaction to the game. And I think anyone, any right-thinking football fan would take the result into consideration, maybe say something rash, and then you sort of sit back and assess the situation and think, actually, you know, we've got to give this guy a chance and, and get behind him while while we have someone who who cares, because we might not. And we've we've had managers in the past that you would argue, you know, didn't take the fans into consideration or anything like that. And I think Thomason definitely does do that. 
You are listening to the 4,000 Holes podcast. No longer just a fanzine. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. So we'll move on to section two. Topic number two being our stock up, stock down section. So, uh, so James, uh, stock up, stock down. Can you uh, pick out a player that you feel really in the last couple of weeks since our last podcast, which was at the start of February, so from the 1st of February onwards, namely the three games we've been talking about, who uh, whose impression, who do you think has those let you down? I've got two that have impressed me. Uh, Hayden Carter, Harry Pickering, actually, has been a consistently good Pickering to start with. He's been a consistently good performer since the international break in September. I just think before that he was real. We we were very weak on that left side, and hmm. um, but since that break, he's. I feel like he's come on leaps and bounds, and I think he's now turned into a very consistent left back. It might not be the best, but he drops a seven out of ten for me almost every game. And Hayden Carter in the past couple of weeks, I mean, I think everything that JDT wants in a centre back, strong, aggressive, can head the ball bring it out, pass out from the back. I think he's everything you want in a defender. Them two have really stood out for me at the moment. In terms of a player who's just going on slowly on the, dec- on the, on the decline, Morton. And Tyler I say, Morton, yeah. yeah, Tyler Morton. I don't think it's a slow decline. I think it's been a decline since since the World Cup break, really. Yes, he. I think he's made the most chances from the whole team this season, but just don't I see I fail to see what he offers more than what Adam Wharton or Buckley would would interesting choices they'll throw that out to the the rest of the panel Ian do you do you agree with her Carter as a, a pro and uh, Morton as a as a stock down candidate yeah I'll, I'll pick up on Tyler Morton if I may uh with, this sounds very self-aggrandizing I don't mean it to be but I wrote a piece for um, a Liverpool an Australian Liverpool fan website which I circulated on the socials earlier today about Tyler Morton so they asked me if I'd sort of regularly update them with his progress and the, the first update that I gave them was after the Rotherham home fixture where he was voted man of the match and I think he scored 8.4 right. and everyone was going, oh my word, what a class act this guy is, fantastic. So I wrote this very upbeat piece and then the very following week, of course, he conceded possession on the edge of the penalty area against Wigan, we lost the game and that seemed to set a pattern. And so my, my conclusion to the, to the piece was essentially there's clearly talent there since the World Cup break, however, he's found it really, really tough. Uh, and right here, right now, we seem to be trying to rehabilitate the fortunes of, a, I called it a Premier League powerhouse player. Um, and I would rather see our player be given that game time and develop our player. So the only qualm, the only question is, what is the terms of the contract? And I think quite often in these circumstances, the loan fee is determined by the number of appearances that a player will make. So I do wonder if somebody's whispering in JDT's ear and saying, every time you pay it, yeah, you're playing, you're saving us like 10 grand on the loan fee or something like that. I hope not. 
I sincerely hope not, because a place in the first eleven should be entirely on merit. But I do endorse that. You know, Morton, I think, has really, really struggled. Is it the case of the as Rovers fans and every Rovers fan and club and sort of side that I've watched throughout the years, my thirty plus years of being a Rovers fan, has always had what I would call a scapegoat. Yeah. player and be that Jason Wilcox back in the day or Aaron McQuainer or I don't know Danny Murphy wasn't great but you know these some like these obituaries are already written for some players and I feel as though Morton's probably a bit of an easy target because he's a lone player because he's a young player pro, perhaps because people think he's keeping Adam Wharton out of the team or he's keeping John Buckley out of the team Matt you are you're a Morton fan do you think he's harshly done like I do or do you think he really has sort of dropped his form and and shouldn't really be playing yeah I think I think it's a mixture of both to be honest I think like Ian alluded to the player that was there before the World Cup he hasn't gone away he kind of just disappeared you know the the player is still there but yeah I was actually um I was actually about to use the word that he just used then. I was going to say, especially on Twitter, he, he does seem to be a bit of a scapegoat after the game. Uh, I think yesterday him and Travis were very, very similar. If anything, I thought Travis was maybe a little bit worse, but he did win the free kick that got us the goal. But yeah, I think that fans see Morton as someone who isn't ours. And again, like Ian, Ian said, he he will be a good player in the future. But I think that our fans take into consideration whether we should or shouldn't that he won't be the amazing player that he is in the future for us. I think the other factor that's worth bringing in as well is we're not averse to a good loan signing. And I think Harvey Elliott showed that. So if you bring a kid in who adds something to the team, I didn't hear anybody complaining about him blocking the pathway of one of our players when he was laying goals on the plate every week to Adam Armstrong. I think that's the point. When you're seeing somebody come in who, on the face of it, isn't contributing any more than we could rightfully have expected one of our, our own academy players... That's when I think the accusations of blocking the pathway are, are legitimate. I definitely think Harvey Elliott did drop in form uh, sort of around this time when he was on his loan spell at Ewood. And also I think Harvey Elliott's career will always be sort of put alongside the COVID year because none of us fans actually got to see Harvey Elliott in person in a Rover shirt, which for me was one of the real shames of that season. Uh, and hopefully if he goes on to become a Liverpool icon and play for England and uh, achieve the levels we think he will, then uh, that will be sort of even harder to take. But um, uh, Ian, uh, we've heard from James on his uh, stock up, stock down. Uh, who'd be uh, two names that you think uh, deserve an honourable mention? There's a, there's a couple of ups. Ainsley Pears in goal deserves all the credit because he, he sort of like bounced back from people being willing to drive him anywhere just to get him out of the club after that Wigan <laughs> FA Cup game to a point where I thought last night he looked the personification of calm assurance. I was really, really impressed. My other up is Joe Rankin-Costello. I mean, that, there's a guy who, again, Thomason had earmarked for going out on loan and you thought he ain't going to last here. Um, he's just fantastic. Absolutely fantastic. Yeah. won a couple of Man of the Matches in our BRFCS um, voting, and quite deservedly so. So uh, I think those two deserve all the plaudits. Uh, my down that I prepared, I've done the stats and I've done the rolling six-game average graph and everything, and then he scored last night, didn't he? So it completely undermined me. It was <laughs> Big Ben, who quite clearly, uh, I thought, you know, this is a guy who's, who's obviously distracted by talk of all this move. Uh, his, his form graph after the Burnley game, so coming back from the World Cup, is just sort of like top left-hand corner down to the bottom right-hand corner, just incrementally getting worse. And then last night, I thought he put a shift in. He had a couple of sort of like snapshots 
yeah, could have scored early on. Early on, and then of course he put the free kick away. So I'm hoping that now the window's closed. We know he's going to be here till the end of the season. Um, I hope that distraction goes away. Uh, and he he sort of like wins our hearts back again. But as, as as we discussed on the last pod, you know he's always going to be uh, he's always going to be a fan favourite. I think now, even though we know he's leaving. But just just give us another ten goals between now and the end of the season, Ben, if you'd be so kind. Absolutely, James. Do you buy into that? Do you think uh, Ben Brereton and Diaz is already on the beach in Villarreal and topping up his tan and uh, getting ready for his big move to the La Liga? I said this to my mate. I said his half of his head is in Blackburn, half of it's with Villarreal. And I think some of his performances have been a bit half-hearted. And I think that's because he's maybe he's worried about getting a serious injury that takes him out for the season and then that potentially ruins his move to Spain. What I will say about Diaz is he's a very, he's a very, I think he's a very confident player. If he scores like he did last night, I think he'll go on a run now of three, four games where he'll score. And I think we if the so. team, well, yeah, you do hope so. And I think if the team's confident, he then breathes that confidence. So, but I do understand the decline of Diaz because he has been, especially against Wigan, he just didn't look like he was bothered. Matt, come to you. You're stock up, stock down. Yeah, I think it's difficult to sort of uh, not mention names that have been mentioned already, but I have got one fresh, my, uh, fresh name in mind, and that's Scott Wharton. And again, I, I was prepared yesterday to come in and just say, look, he's making a mistake every week, costly mistakes. But in the 45 minutes he played yesterday before his injury, I think he, he had Thomas Asante in his back pocket. He was doing, you know, he was doing really well. He was standing standing up a tricky, fast striker and getting the ball off him. Until yesterday, he had just seemed, he just seemed to be making a mistake every game. First Birmingham Cup game, uh, he made a big mistake that cost us a goal and it's just gone downhill for him since then. And stock up. I was gonna, I was gonna say pairs, but um, I'll throw a little bit of a curveball in there. Um, I think since since his first game or the, his first few moments in a Rover shirt, I think Sorber Thomas has improved a lot, especially yesterday. I think with a proper striker in the middle, we we'd have put two or three away in that first half, and a similar story for the Watford game, you could argue. But yeah, in the Wigan game, there was. You know, there's people on both sides of the fence, whether he was had a good game or not. I was sort of, I don't think he was very good. But yeah, since then, he's uh, he's done really well in the last couple of games. Excellent. Obviously, those are our thoughts here. Just uh, I'll give you my two names. Uh, obviously, I agree with everyone's picked out the obvious names with Ainsley Pears and Joran Costello, who I think has been magnificent for the last well month, two months, ever since uh, we've come back from the World Cup. The name I, I want to throw out there is Ryan Hedges. I just want to see more from Ryan Hedges. I thought he started the season really well. I thought we were very impressed with him. And he was sort of integral to how we we were playing that early success that we had. He scored goals. He was creative. He's a big he's a big presence. He he does the dark arts things very well. I think does Ryan Hedges. He goes down quite easily, and he's just he's a bit gangly, a bit all arms and legs as uh, as they used to say. But I, I just want to see more from him, and maybe just Tyree Stolen as well. I thought he played really well against Watford, Tyrese, and I think he's important to how the team play and how that sort of we want to try and be on the front foot and pressing from the front. Those are our views. What are your views? In fact, what we want to hear from you is that this podcast is, of course, linked in with the brfcs.com forums. Now, on there, there is a magnificent match center, which has got all the lineups, the stats, the details from every Rovers game this season and other games going back through previous seasons. And after every game, there is a rating section where you can 
go on and give players marks out of 10. If you haven't looked at it or you haven't signed up for the website or the forums, please do go and give it a look. It's a really uh, useful resource. It gives you the flavor of the fans, particularly international fans or people who can't get to the game. Sometimes it's not the headline makers that the fans who, who choose to give their big marks to. But go and look at last night's fixtures for West Brom and definitely ahead of the Swansea Blackpool, the home games coming up. Be sure to check out the match centre that's on the brfcs.com forums. 4,000 holes in Blackburn, Lancashire. It's from a Beatles song. Give it a listen. So topic number three, section three, we're going to have a quick look ahead to what the rest of February brings. And I will throw that over to our resident fixture man, Ian Herbert. Ian. <laughs> resident fixture man. That, that's, that's a, <laughs> sounds like an indie band I once saw at the O2 Academy. Yeah. That, I, think, yeah. I think I've got their first two albums. It's going to be an interesting month, isn't it, the rest, rest of February? We've got uh, a, a, you know the prospect of a local derby with Blackpool. Before that, we've got Swansea City. Um, I went to Swansea earlier in the season and saw us do a proper, proper smash and grab job on Swansea. So I think it might. I think they might be a little bit more wary this time of over committing into our penalty area and getting caught on the break. So uh, it'll be interesting to see how that one unfolds. Blackpool always a cracking local derby. I think the only disappointment of that is it's midweek. Uh, I think yeah. there's something about having a local derby on the Saturday and you've got like, the whole day to sort of like uh, plan for it. But when you're at work somehow, it, it doesn't quite quite float the boat in, in the same way. And then we've got uh, a good staple of mine is uh, sort of away at QPR. We, uh, we're, we're great pals on the socials with Loft for Words, which is a terrific QPR fan account. And if you want to have a, have a bit of insight into a club that's in turmoil right now, following them on social media is all the gallows humour you, uh, you could possibly want and more besides. And then we've got, of course, Leicester City, haven't we, in the Cup? And who knows what team Leicester are going to pick? Who knows what team we're going to pick? But that's going to be interesting. I think we're on the BBC iPlayer. So there's the prospect of um, getting some national right, coverage. Yeah. If we if we do something wild, you never know. We might be on the 9 o'clock news right at the end in the FA Cup yep. roundup. Looking at those three home, oh, sorry, the two home fixtures and the QPR fixtures, is there a minimum sort of points total you think that a team challenging for the playoffs? I mean, really, well, it's it nine, has isn't to it? Be, <laughs> so, it has yeah, to be. If six you're outside the playoffs and you want to get into the playoffs, you, you've kind of got to go into every game thinking we've got to win this one. Yeah, but there's still a lot of the season. You know, it's still the best part of a third of the season, isn't there? Still to play, but I think I think we are at that point now where we've got to have that mindset. And that, that's what I'm looking for. That's what I'm waiting for. I'm waiting to see a team that goes out there and really, really grabs hold of a game and controls it, as opposed to, I think we are, yeah, we use the analogy, we're almost like pickpockets. We sort of like, mm. we hide and lurk in the shadows and we, we come out on our tiptoes every now and then, nick a goal and then scurry away again. I don't want, I want us marching down the middle of the street with a brass band saying, we're here. Yeah, we're we're going to take the three points. That's what I really want us to see: is take a game by by the scruff of its neck and control it. And I think if we did that, the fans would properly get behind the the team. But I think because we talked about XG, because we don't create many chances, we're just not that exciting to watch, frankly. So Swansea at home, eminently winnable. Blackpool at home, eminently winnable. QPR in rotten form, eminently winnable. We've got to be aiming for nine points. Matt, what was your thoughts on that? Do you think you think nine points is the target? I mean, obviously it's got to be the target, but do you think uh, do you think there's a there's a a moment coming? Do you think there's something over the horizon? Do you think we're a three or a four nil home victory against Blackpool or Swansea or 
a dominant away win like, say, Sunderland had at QPR earlier this week. Is that one of those in the near future, do you think? Yeah, I think you look at you look at all four of the next games, in, in, I'm including the, the cup game in that, and I think that we have a chance in all of them. Um, I think QPR, I think they've not won since, what, 17th of December or something ridiculous like that. Um, Blackpool, again, I think that they always are a Lancashire derby win now, to be honest. Um, after the last few, they'd be very disappointing. I think I think we deserve we deserve a win, um, and I'm sure that Thomason and his team will be telling the players, "Look, you've 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 won one derby all season. What are you doing? Sort it out." And um, yeah, I'll just touch on the Leicester game as well. Um, we should be picking up all the league points there, and I know Leicester have sorted themselves out. They had a you know a decent January, but again, it's a winnable team. Uh, if you want a Premier League team in in the cup that you can beat. At the minute, Leicester is probably one of your options that were that were still in the hat. Yeah, it's uh, well. We'll come on to that just briefly towards the end because I wanted to talk about uh, commend the club for the ticket offer for that one. But James, just before we go on to the cup talk, a bit more league talk. Home to bottom of the league, uh, local derby. We've we've just been through that with Wigan and we couldn't break them down. Do you think Blackpool will be more the same Tuesday night? And do you think? Swansea, they seem to be this Jekyll and Hyde team to Swansea. They're not brilliant football on the day. And if they really get it right, they're as good as anybody in the division. But as Ian alluded to in the the away game earlier on this season, really sort of Rovers very impressive that day with a 3-0 victory. Do, can you see six points, nine points? What's your thoughts? Nine is very achievable. Um, I'd be happy with six or seven. I think if there's going to be one that we don't get anything from, it's going to be QPR because they are an absolute turmoil and it just would be typical Rovers fashion to not to go there and not pick anything up. Swansea away was like you said very very much a snatch and grab and Hedges was phenomenal that game. All three are definitely winnable but I would I would be happy with six or seven. And you see the Blackpool I mean Mick McCarthy a bit of added wrinkle to that that match. Do you, do you see Blackpool as a as a derby that Rovers really should be looking to win and really should be adding to the derby victories, as Matt alluded to. Definitely. I think, obviously, the performances against Wigan haven't been great. The Burnley impression one we won't even go into. So I think the fans are deserving of a local victory. The fans are deserving for a very convincing performance as well. And I think if we give a convincing performance, it will take a lot of the slack, slack and criticism away from JDT. Well, let's hope we're sat here at our next podcast in a couple of weeks' time, having had nine points and being fourth in the table and looking upward. Uh, uh, I sort of feel as though Rovers will manage to uh, throw a spanner in the work somewhere down the line. A uh, huge thank you to join, for joining me tonight, gents. Just before we go, I just want to have a quick touch on the uh, Leicester City match. I, I did speak about it just about a minute or two ago, but I just want to give a, a round of applause or a tip of the hat to the club for subsidising the tickets to that match. Uh, Ian is right, it is on the iPlayer for anybody who can't make the game. Uh, but uh, I know I've got three tickets going down to Leicester. I've been to Leicester once before, but not for a long time. So I'm going to enjoy the day out. And if we get anything, as my dad would say, if we get a cup of tea, I'll be happy. Uh, yes, the, the 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 magic of the FA Cup, as they sort of say, which the FA seems to be doing everything to undermine every conceivable opportunity. It, but we're so yeah. quick to we're so quick to criticise the club for absolutely, doing absolutely. Yeah, and you're you're absolutely right to call it out. Uh, it, it was a terrific gesture. Uh, there there are many people who travel away to, to to all the games, and this is a great opportunity for them to to to, 
you know, to see a Premier League ground uh, and at a discount price. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Am I expecting a win? No, of course I'm not. I watched the highlights of the Leicester Spurs game and you're sort of thinking, oh my word, they're going to absolutely wipe the floor with us. But the, it won't be the same team that starts with Leicester. It won't be the same team that starts with Rovers in the, in the league games, I imagine, either. So anything can happen. We had some fun with West Ham, didn't we, earlier in the season? So if we, if we get another 2-2 draw and go through on penalties, I'll take that. Thank you very much. That'd be really nice. So, yeah, we'll arrive at that game in hope rather than expectation. Let's put it that way. Thanks for that, Ian. I think we'll uh, we'll end right there. Huge thank you to my guests, Ian Herbert, James Marsh and Matt Grimshaw for joining me. Uh, as I said at the top of the podcast, it would be great to hear from you if you've got any suggestions, any tips, any questions you want to put to us or if you'd like to be involved and get involved with the podcast, be sure to follow us on our social media streams and also on the brfcs.com forums, which I um, can only stress one more time, if you've not been on there recently, the website, the forums are fantastic. They're looking great. A lot of people working really hard behind the scenes to make it what I think is the best Blackburn Rovers website out there. It's got everything on there, articles, links to the 4,000 holds fanzine, much, much more. And uh, yeah, some decent opinion too. And it's never boring on there. Let me put it that way. Until next time, have a great rest of February. Enjoy yourself. Stay safe. I'm hoping we're going to be back with talk of a cup quarterfinal and nine points in the bag. Here's hoping. Until next time, see you later. Bye. This is the 4,000 Holes podcast, sponsored by the fine folks at the Terrace. Enter BRFCS at checkout for a 10% discount. Podcast Network. What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission? At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders, from ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities. CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov slash careers. At the UPS Store, we know things can get busy this upcoming holiday. You can count on us to be open and ready to help with any packing and shipping or anything else you might need. Is there anything you can't do? Um, actually, I don't have a good singing voice. <clears throat> the UPS... Nope. But our certified packing experts can pack and ship just about anything. At least that's good. Your local, the everything you need to be unstoppable store. The UPS store. Be unstoppable. The UPS store locations are independently owned. Product services, pricing, and hours may vary. See center for details. It's the 90th minute. All your mates around. You've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Your mates already got booked for double dipping. And you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. You in? At participating restaurants, 18 plus. Serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.